0: Live From atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, West. you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio, talk, radio Show. talk Show.
1: All right, happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman and Kurt Crosby live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the network's refuse to use, no doubt, starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for September the 17th in the year of our Lord, 2020. That is Constitution Day. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for celebration. And our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property, and to promote God, family, and country on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, we use the blueprint for liberty. That is the supreme law of the land, that Constitution for the United States of America. We are delighted to celebrate Constitution Day. As you know, we love the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the founding fathers. We reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. Welcome to Liberty Roundtable Live. And, man, we got a lot to cover today. First off, a recap of yesterday's broadcast. We had our guest on, Mr. James Edwards, two hours long. He's more of a co-host than a guest, I might add. We talked about race, politics, and hypocrisy in the 21st century. And uh, the thepoliticalcesspool.org is his website. Check it out every Saturday night. A lot of people say James is a racist. I don't agree. I don't agree. I think James is a wonderful gentleman. He does advocate for the white race. There's no doubt about it. Uh, But is that so wrong? Blacks advocate for the black race. Hispanics advocate for their race. And justly so. Why wouldn't people advocate for their own race? That doesn't mean they want harm to any other races. It just means they want to learn about their heritage. It means they want to have children and prosper. And I don't think that advocating or growing or promoting a given race, uh, is negative to any other race. In fact, James would encourage others to do the same. But nevertheless, people can freely associate. People can advocate for their own race and not be haters or or evil or downing anyone else. That's all true. But in addition, though, let's be very clear. Uh, You know what? (laughs) James said it all when I mentioned Kanye West turning to Christian principles, and we all agree that's a wonderful thing. I hope it's genuine and I hope it's long-lasting for Kanye because I believe Christian principles will bless his and his family's lives. But, you know, Kanye's black and his wife and children are, what, his wife's white? His children are half black, half white, I guess. And and you know what? Because of lifestyles, uh, James Edwards is fine for Kanye West to be his neighbor. You know, because Kanye promotes Christian principles, right? But the family members of Kanye, like Kim Kardashian and others, and the extended family, are just out of control. I mean, what? The mom got famous from sex tapes or the daughter or whatever, and, you know, keeping up with the Kardashians, it's been nothing but a immorality fest and a promotion of, of keeping up with the Joneses and the rich and famous lifestyles. And I mean, that's been their lives, right? Well, James doesn't want that for neighbors. Neither do I, by the way. Okay? I don't want my life to be a, a public fiasco. I don't want you know fathers running around promoting transgenderism and I don't know what to say. Immorality on the screen might be the best way to try to be delicate. Here's the problem. Okay, so James is saying, I don't mind the black guy being my neighbor, but the white people that, are, that don't hold my values, I'm very concerned about them being my neighbors. In my opinion, we're all God's children. Doesn't that state at all? We want to spend time with and be around those who are like-minded and similar in their beliefs than we are. And you know what? A lot of times race is a factor. Let's be clear. People are comfortable where they are. I'll give you an example, and this is not meant to be an offensive one, but I'll highlight it nevertheless. When girls get together, they love to do hair, right? They love to do hair and nails and all that kind of stuff. Well, you know what? White girls don't know how to do hair for black girls or vice versa? They just don't. Is it cultural? Part of it. Is it physical? Without a doubt, their hair is completely different. Does it mean that one hates the other because they don't know how to do their hair? No. Does it mean, but it does mean they might not feel comfortable working on hair together. It's just a reality check. That doesn't mean that you hate somebody else's hair. It just means you're going to gravitate towards what you're comfortable with and what you know. Is that so wrong? America is based on free association. Well, I'll tell you this. I'd feel much more comfortable hanging out with Kanye and his Christian principles than I would, say, Harry Reid or, say, uh, Bernie Sanders or, say, Bill Clinton or Joe Biden. I'd be much more comfortable with Kanye by far. Why? Because we hold a lot of principles much more closely to one another. That's why. All right, I digress. Anyway, James Edwards was with us for two award-winning hours, org. We talked about black leaders. BLM is about the overthrow of the United States. It's not race. That's just a movement, a smokescreen, ladies and gentlemen, for Marxist insurrection. Many black leaders are now openly contending that the growing of the Black Lives Matter movement is not about empowering blacks or creating equality at all. It's about destroying the American system and rebuilding it under Marxist, communist, socialist principles. Why do I say that? You say, whoa, Sam, those are so different. No, they're not. They're all roads to the same end, which is less liberty and more tyranny. I'll tell you that right now. Soren Kern speaks out about this, by the way. Black Lives Matter is an ideological... Descendant of the Black Power Movement, of the Black Panthers, of the Black Liberation Army. Wow. Not to mention the weather underground. Jeremiah Wright and Barack Obama come straight to mind. Frank Marshall Davis right in the middle of it. Well-known black communist advocate. Racists, all get out. Jeremiah Wright. Louis Farrakhan, they all seem to be in the mix somehow. And they all are seeking the overthrow of everything we hold dear. Kanye West, believe it or not, will appear on the ballot in 12 states. That's right. You want to hear what they are? Let's see. Arkansas, Colorado, Oklahoma, Vermont, Mississippi, Louisiana, Utah, Kentucky, Iowa, Tennessee, Minnesota, and Idaho. Kirk Crosby basically highlighted that everyone's a separatist. Everyone wants to be left alone. Everybody wants to separate from those who they completely disagree with. Right? The Southern Baptist Convention, SBC, wants to take Southern out of their name. They say it's uh, tied to racial unrest and such. They say Jesus wasn't a Southerner. Although they ought to find out where Jesus was born now. Wasn't he born in Bethlehem? Okay, that's in the south and Nazareth. Nazareth is in the north. Kind of interesting. Um, You know, Bethlehem south of uh, Jerusalem. Does that mean the Savior's a southerner? What does that all mean? I just find that interesting. Second hour, we talked about the cactus cuties, little girls, 11 to 16 years old a singing group. There's four of them in the Cactus Cuties right now. And we played part of the National Anthem and the Amazing Grace song they sang. Two great songs, by the way. And sad to say, we talked about the modern-day cuties on Netflix, and it's nothing but crotches and bums and genitals, and I don't even know how to go on. It's not fit for radio. Uh, What have we done to the cuties? Now, I know it's not the same girls. I'm just making a point about young girls. They used to be wholesome and sing about God, family, and country. That's who the cactus cuties really are. But what have we done to the the younger generation, to the women, the daughters of God in our population? All right, we talked about return to sender. Postal service sends wrong info to Utahns about the male voting. What do you expect? Lack of vitamin D raises COVID-19. Infection risk by seventy-seven percent. Yeah, they say deficiency factor was much greater than even age. Man, they've been telling you age was a big factor forever. I've been saying vitamin D was a huge factor forever, and who ended up being correct? i just wondering. Chinese virologist, virologist, I guess is how you're supposed to say it. Doctor Li Mingyang, whatever, vows to publish the proof that the Chinese virus. Is man-made? It's not from nature. By the way, this um, same doctor got taken down by Twitter now. We also talked about the master circuit to cellular aging discovered. Extended lifespan to follow, people ask. You know, the elites always have talked about trying to become godlike where they would last forever or be immortal or live for a long, 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 long time. I don't understand why we don't just um, be grateful for all the days we have on the earth. Do our best to serve God and our fellow man all the days on the earth and be grateful for the, well, the days are numbered according to God that we have on the earth. We won't die early before our mission's complete if we do what's right. We won't die late. We'll do just fine. Movie theaters return, but audiences have not now what they say. And I say they're remaking whole segments of our society as they try to remake America. Anyway, great stuff. We talked about it all on your radio yesterday. The archives are still available online, free, on demand. LovingLiberty.net. Spread the word, would you please? All right. that's a recap of yesterday's show. News that I refused to use today starts now. Kurt Crosby's with me. Welcome, sir.
2: Buenos dias. Uh, greetings and salutations. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Thank you, Sam.
1: Hey, uh, Joe Rogan wants to moderate a four-hour debate. Between Joe Biden and President Trump. Trump says he's in. Let's go. <laughs> Do you want to respond to this, Kurt?
2: Well, um, I mean twenty minutes into it, if that, uh, Biden's gonna be in trouble.
1: What are you talking about? He's on his he's at the top of his game, buddy. He's been planning this since before you he's were born. <laughs> Not literally, isn't it just too comical though? He would be the oldest person to ever be elected, wouldn't he, Kurt? Now back when Ron Paul was running, they said he was too old, but Joe's way older than Ron was then and no one's saying a word. Great point.
3: Hi, I'm Patty, wife of former Congressman Steve Stockman. In Congress, Steve sought impeachment of Eric Holder for his corruption of the Justice Department and his fast and furious gunrunning that caused Border Agent Brian Talley's death. Steve called for arrest of Lois Lerner for her contempt of Congress as it investigated her targeting of conservative nonprofit groups. After four years, four grand juries and millions of tax dollars, Steve Stockman is in prison. His case involved four checks to nonprofits. DOJ has one standard for Hillary Clinton, but another for folks like President Trump and my husband. We've spent all our savings, all Steve's retirement, and much of mine. Steve Stockman has fought for you and America. Won't you join me now to fight for Steve? To help, text, to 444-999, text FIGHT to 444 999, text F I G H T to 444 999, or go to defendapatriot.com defendapatriot.com
4: Yeah, this is David in engineering.
3: This is your wife in suburbia.
4: Oh, hi, hon. What's up?
3: How's the robot coming?
4: Well, it doesn't exactly respond to requests mm. yet, but... um. Well,
3: I know how frustrating that can be. You do? Uh-huh. I'm still waiting for my romantic lunch date.
4: Oh, yeah. David. Well, I must not have enough memory uh, allocated. Uh-huh. Sorry.
3: You know, your son said mama today. Really? Uh-huh.
4: Well, we'll have to have that sound chip change to data.
3: Well, you could reprogram it yourself, you know.
4: I know. Hey, why don't we do it over lunch today?
5: Oh. You really are brilliant. Thanks.
4: You want me to bring the robot? David. He can order pasta in 11 languages.
5: Only if he pays for his own lunch.
4: Okay. Oh, don't forget to bring Chip. Uh,
3: I still wish we had not named him that. Why?
4: It beats general default. Oh. Family. Isn't it about time? Do you know that a baby processes information three times faster than an adult?
3: An adult what? Engineer. engineer. Funny, funny. I'll see you at noon.
6: I can't wait. From the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints.
1: Alright, Brian Rust has an incredibly busy day today, but he decided to spend a couple of minutes with us. Nevertheless, welcome to Liberty Roundtable Live, sir. What's the update on gold and silver, my friend?
7: Uh right now gold is sitting at nineteen
1: forty-three ten. Hold on, let me write this down here. <clears throat> Hold on, I'm behind the eight ball here, not not ready like Kurt would be, you know what I mean? That's
7: all right.
2: <laughs> of course. Yeah. All right,
1: gold is what now? Uh, 1943.10. 43.10. Uh, and what's that? Is that up or down slightly? It's not much, is it?
7: Yeah, I think it's down a little bit from where it was last week.
1: All right. Um, You know. And silver?
7: Uh, 26.83.
1: That's down a little bit, too, isn't it?
7: Yeah.
1: All right. And yet,
7: uh, Kurt's rhodium's up, uh, 13,600.
1: Yeah, Kurt! Uh, <laughs> there you go. Kurt's on the rhodium, man. He's got it. On the rhodium. I can see why, though. You know?
2: It's not fixed.
1: Yeah. Amen to that. It's not manipulated, is his point. It's a great highlight. and We want to bring that up. Uh, Gold and silver seems to be manipulated by futures big time. I don't want to go off on a tangent, though, because Brian only's got a couple of minutes with us, so we'll be really quick. Joe Rogan wants to uh, moderate a debate between Joe Biden and Donald Trump. He wants it to last four hours, and Trump says he's in, Brian.
7: So he wants it to last it about four hours.
1: Yeah, man, Joe Rogan does. And Joe, Donald says, no problems, do it.
7: <laughs> there you go. <laughs> of course, it's a resounding
1: sound of silence. Uh feels like the 60s, you know, uh, from yeah. good old Joe. Grandpa Joe is so, just kind of hesitant.
7: So are they going to put him together, or is it going to be just uh, virtual?
1: I don't know. That hasn't been decided yet. I would say that put them together, man. Let them stand at that lectern, turn, buddy.
7: That's right. That's what I say.
1: If you, you know, um, I agree that standing for four hours would be pretty brutal, so I'd kind of let them yeah. stand and sit down and stand and sit down and stuff if it were me. But, hey, that way we could watch right. how easy it is for good old Joe to stand up and sit down and do all those kind of things and get water <laughs> right. and talk and do, you know, do all the normal things that you would expect out of a president. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I digress. But I bring this all up because do you think that would impact the economy if that debate happened?
7: Well, it'll be very, it'll be very interesting. I think it would be some, you know, it should shed some good light on kind of what's happening, and 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 between the two of them, and what their, um, you know, what the the press has kind of given us as far as information. But uh, yeah, it could have, it could affect
1: some of what's happening in the economy. What do you think, Kurt? You think it uh, uh, what do you want to call it? Um, affect the economy, there, buddy think that would happen
2: if they just send uh maybe Joe, maybe biden could do a hologram you know some kind of a they could uh make a picture of him and then uh the guys that are controlling him like uh, bill gates and uh the other billionaires could just uh put forth the answers that they want uh, they have to do this in a virtual thing not put them together because that would never work but uh otherwise joe's out after 20 minutes uh you know in my opinion
1: now, what do you think? It just be teleprompter heaven. Could they get away with that though? Oh We're yeah, really, like, move that live thing live up
2: already? and down a little bit for me. You know,
1: ain't gonna be uh, live for him. Think he could ever handle it no. live? I don't think he could. Not that long. All right. What do you think, Kirk? He better? can't
2: even answer. You know, like a two-minute deal without. You know, let's see. Where am I? You know, uh, that kind of thing.
1: Well, there I you mean, go. All right. Anyway, I found that incredibly interesting. He's just lost. Let's go stories for Brian really quick. First one says this. Jobless, ca- jobless claims may be off by millions, says the New York Times. Weekly tallies of jobless claims were not meant to be treated as an economic indicator, says the New York Times. And uh, this is just exposing the shortcomings of doing so, Brian. Imagine the New York Times saying, hey... The jobless claims may be up by millions, and the weekly tallies of the jobless claims were never meant to really get a handle on where the jobs sit. So, what are they talking about, Ryan?
7: Well, good point. Didn't we? I, I think if we look back in, you know, a few years ago or, or even a year ago or so on, they talked about jobless claims, but they didn't represent really the numbers because, you know, they they didn't have to count certain people who were already on the list or people that were renewing or certain data wasn't given. So I I don't know how much jobless claims are really, you know, as far as numbers, it's kind of like Joe Joe Biden. He doesn't have, you know, he's being told what to say and so on, and they can kind of end, end our market as far as metals and so on. They're manipulated. I think that would be the same with your
1: jobless claims. What do you think, Kurt? I just find this an interesting admission from the uh, New York Times, of all people.
2: Well, Sam, I mean, if they're not part of the fixes in, I don't know who is. Uh, you know, <laughs> right. Gold and silver, you know, I mean, as we've documented, uh, you know, you got guys who spoof the thing, which basically means they fake the market and, uh, uh Basically, make money that way, and then you got uh, somebody who sits there and tells you what the price is. And if the the real price, Brian, I mean, if somebody wants to come in and get a uh, silver eagle, which t- is a U.S. coin uh, that says one dollar on it, uh, what's the real price for one of those now?
7: So you, you, they're about thirty-four dollars. So they've come down a dollar or so, but I mean reflective of, you know, if your metals have dropped like this, your your physical hasn't really. They're cheap now, yeah, aren't they? Brian? So,
2: one 34. They're cheap.
7: They're supposed to be a dollar. Yeah, there you go. We're, we're, they're trying to pull it back to where they are a dollar, but uh, yeah, the metal's going to hold on. I, I One interesting little uh, note that I, I wrote down here, uh, the metal's kind of dropped down today and so on, and it said because of a fresh upside breakout in the dollar overnight, the upbeat economic assessment <laughs> from the Feds, uh, reducing the economic un- uncertainty. Well, I don't know about breakout in the dollar. I mean, if they're saying that the paper dollar's breaking out now and it's strong, I don't know what they're looking at.
2: Breakout. Isn't it like, you know when you get your face all covered with zits, um, you know. I mean, uh, the greenback had been break, breaking out for a long time, but uh, you know. Uh, and so, what if what if somebody comes in and wants to buy one of those five dollar coins? It's a gold piece. It says five dollars from the U.S. government. Uh, how much are those now? Uh
7: they're they're about
2: one hundred seventy five dollars. Yeah. Yeah. So. Let's see. Five changes to one seventy-five. No, yeah, they're actually two seventy-five.
7: Sorry, not a hundred. That'd be two seventy-five. That's, Sorry, what, my that's bad.
2: what I was thinking. Is uh, yeah. man, all of a sudden <laughs> they were a real bargain. A... So five, five goes to two seventy-five, and one yeah. goes to thirty-four. You know, I mean, it's that just shows you, if you want to know what inflation is, ladies and gentlemen, you can see it right there.
7: That's right.
2: I remember you're Ron correct. Paul years ago would say if or somebody would teach us about inflation, he says, Hey, don't don't listen to all these guys. Here's how you understand inflation. You go to a party, you're one of the first guys there, they got really good punch bowl. You have a little drink of punch and you say, Man, that's good punch. I gotta get the recipe. Somebody comes about an hour later and the punch bowl is about half full and they fill it up with water and the next guy goes Well that's pretty good punch so i don't need the recipe and uh happens about an hour later somebody fills the rest up with half water again and the guy goes man it looks like punch it tastes like water uh and that's how inflation works <laughs> yeah they
1: like, used to do, do that know. with whiskey back in the day too didn't they Kurt? <laughs> there
2: you go <laughs> i didn't know that uh,
1: yeah uh, anyway I bring, I bring that up though just because that's kind of where it started you know the watering down of things kind of started out with whiskey right that way they don't get drunk so fast and it costs less to serve them kurt
2: well yeah guys have been manipulating the market for a long time you know i see one from business insider says gold uh, silver yeah that's right gold silver gain as greenback erodes now what yours just said greenback was strengthening uh you know i'm like what these guys need to get together you know
7: yeah, the breakout. It's a breakout, and uh, maybe yeah, this is a new dollar. Out. Maybe it's the Zimbabwe
2: dollar. Oh, yeah. You know, that's, that's yeah a... I've
7: got some of those trillion-dollar notes here, so maybe it's that, yeah. those dollars, yeah, a little
2: breakout. Yeah, amen to that. Wow. Any other uh, comments on uh, the economy or the gold or silver or anything else you want to say in your limited time, Brian?
7: Well, I just think, you know, it's a good hedge. Uh, I mean, You got any paper assets? They, you know, savings accounts or anything else, how to have a little bit of metal to offset those losses. When it, we, I don't think we've seen anything uh, yet. Uh, you know, things well, the good.
2: only thing is, Brian, I mean, at least if you have a whole bunch of paper money around, you could burn it and kind of warm up yourself a little bit, um, you know, good during the real tough times, you know. But I'd good sure point. buy a little something with gold or silver. Uh, maybe you could buy some wood with that stuff, you know. Yeah,
8: yeah.
7: It'll
1: work. Keep up the good work,
7: guys.
1: Thanks, Brian. Godspeed, brother. There he goes, doing a great job, taking a couple of minutes out of his day to give us an honest money update. That is Brian Rust with RustCoinandGift.com. You want an honest guy in the coin business? You got it.
0: Exposing corruption. Informing citizens. Pursuing liberty. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA
9: Radio News with Chris Barnes. What was Hurricane Sally now losing strength but still a huge rainmaker? Dumping rain over Alabama and other southeastern states, it has been downgraded to a tropical depression. But through Friday, some parts of Alabama and Georgia could see up to what will amount to a foot of rain from that storm. Former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley says President Trump has been uniquely able to achieve historic peace deals in the Middle East. She spoke after a peace deal was signed Tuesday between Bahrain, the United Arab Emirates and Israel.
3: Go back to the first foreign policy
10: speech the president gave. It was to the Arab community. And he said, let us all work together in the name of peace. And he did something no other president has done. He focused on Iran.
9: And this is USA Radio News.
4: Okay, some good news during a challenging time for everybody. And this could really help. You may know hundreds of thousands of people have already made the switch to MetaShare, which is the affordable alternative to health insurance. And with so many people looking at how they pay for health care right now, seeing premiums going up or the cost of COBRA plans, MediShare has extended their special offer, and a lot of people have taken advantage of it. Simply apply by September 30th, and they will waive your new member fee. That's $170 savings and, of course, that's just a start. The typical family saves $500 a month after making the switch. Metashare is a Christian community that shares each other's healthcare costs, and it's worked beautifully for decades. I'll give you the number here in a second. And if you call, you can get a price within two minutes. Just tell them the promo code SHARE to get your additional savings. Here it is. Call 833-34-BIBLE. That's 833-34-BIBLE. 833-34-BIBLE.
9: U.S. Attorney General Bill Barr speaking out against coronavirus lockdowns at an event at Hillsdale College last evening, saying they're among the greatest intrusions of civil liberties in American history, saying, in his opinion, only slavery was a greater intrusion. Barr also launching into harsh critiques of the Justice Department, slamming lower-level prosecutors for trying to set an agenda. The Big Ten reversing course saying it will try to stage a college football season this fall starting in late October. Yahoo! senior reporter Peter Thamel says it's a decision based on money.
11: TV v
6: first school. Payout for the Big Ten is about $52 million. So if you're paying millions to make tens of millions, it's clearly worth it for the Big Ten.
9: He spoke to NBC News last month. The conference said there'd be no fall sports, but now they plan to start the football season on October 23rd. And you're listening to USA Radio News.
1: I want to dedicate this song to Mr. Rupert Murdoch. All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. Sam Bushman, Kurt Crosby. Normally, Brian Rust with us, rustcoinandgift.com. He had to cut it short today. He had some business to take care of. But we're grateful for his update. You know, gold and silver slightly down according to the dollar. That means the dollar's doing a little bit better, I guess. But I find it interesting. Jobless claims may be off by millions. Next headline, Kurt says more than half of American businesses that closed down due to the COVID, due to the lockdowns, are permanently shuttered. That's according to data that was uh, published by Yelp on Wednesday. So, Kurt, we're not saying that half the businesses are shut down. What we're saying is half the businesses that had to shut down remain shut down and probably will forever. I don't know what percent of the businesses that really is. Like, my business never shut down, so I'm not part of that number. I don't know what that translates into real numbers or real businesses, but it is significant. So out of all the businesses that shut down, half of them are never coming back. Whatever that number is, it's a huge slice of the pie. And although I appreciate Donald Trump talking about the economy coming back, and I think too, in many cases it is, and I'm grateful for that recovery. I'm grateful for that bringing back businesses. But, you know, there's a big spectrum. Those who are doing really well and those who are doing horrible. So, you're either, you know, it's either a boom or a bust big time. That's kind of the concern. Do you want to respond to this?
2: Well, it's pretty amazing to see, uh, Sam. I mean, if you you take us back to the first of the year, you know, uh, New Year's and that kind of thing, and uh, if somebody would have forecasted what we've seen, I mean, you'd have said, you're crazy, man. Yeah, for sure. Up in the night. and to have uh, basically 50% of the uh, businesses that have shut down you know uh not coming back i i in some um sectors i think the numbers even greater i mean you you see this whole working from home deal how it's uh, caught on and how many uh places are going to need a lot less uh space if you will uh you know, office space and uh, things like that, and look at the, uh, you know, the whole uh, entertainment sector, if you will, the movie industry, um, you know, the the fear that they put into people about being together, uh, you know, I mean, you go to the restaurant, and it's got every other table's got uh, some little, you know, strapping around, it looks like a police uh, barricade thing, uh, you know, and of course, you're not supposed to sit there. You're going to ruin the planet. You know, I mean, it's just... Oh, man, if you... Uh, just imagine. I don't even know how to re- respond to than I'm just shocked to see where we are, but I'm hopeful, as always, you know, going after Moby Dick in the rowboat and taking the tartar sauce with me, that the cooler heads will prevail and, and uh, people will realize that... Uh, You know, they'll look behind the uh, curtain and see the uh, guy on Wizard of Oz and say, oops, uh, we shouldn't have done this.
1: I hear what you're saying, Kurt, and I I don't disagree one bit. I think it's something that we really need to ponder. And I think that we ought to ask ourselves several questions at this juncture. Number one, hey, we can't go back. We did shut down. But what we can do is say, hey, if half the businesses still are not able to reopen, what could be done to reopen them? Okay, what could be done to reopen some of them? Now, some of them Kurt, may not deserve to be open. In other words, just because a business exists, it doesn't mean it's justified to exist. Natural attrition, competition, um, you know, all kinds of factors. Maybe you don't run your business very well. Maybe, okay, so there's nothing wrong with some. What do they call it? Call it. What is it? Calling the herd. Is that what it is, Kurt?
2: Well, that's a good way to say it. Uh, Ron okay, Paul some, taught us about that, you some, know, sometimes, by saying that. Go ahead. Yeah, by saying that some are just, you know, I mean you have to eliminate things that are not useful, you know. Like if you're still in the uh, uh, horse and buggy era and you're you're upset that you're not selling a buggy to every uh, family when the cars come around, uh, you know, that's just a change in, um, well in the economy and society yeah uh, and if there's a know,
1: thousand businesses that serve burritos then you know some of those thousand businesses may not need to serve burritos right so it's a competition discussion it's called calling the herd it's whatever um you know maybe maybe the the best survived to some degree competition uh is very, uh, a harsh master it rewards those who are um hard-working and successful and You know, bring to the people to the market what it wants and all these things. So there's some to that. And I don't mind some of that. There are businesses, I might add to Kurt, that are new because of the COVID that we didn't have before. You know, I don't know how many times people would sell me a mask in the days gone past, uh, but I don't think anybody. Now people are selling masks and other PPE products and stuff like that. Um, All I know is that there are are changes and there are economic disruptions. And that's always been the case. Uh, There's a lot of people that have incredibly improved businesses. Like Zoom was something that guys like me knew about, but most folks didn't know about. Guys like me use Zoom every day because I manage remote workforces and stuff like that for a living. Okay, so I knew about, but now everybody knows about Zoom. If you don't know about Zoom, you're under a rock these days, right? So Zoom has had a tremendous, and all the people who supply hardware for remote conferencing and stuff. Yeah, the airlines are struggling, but the folks that build remote conferencing equipment are booming. And so some of it has changed. It's like the industrial revolution and the tech revolution and the you know, a lot of that's natural and normal as well. And so anyway, I, I, I feel bad for the businesses that are closed. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I think it's a little bit of a scenario where we're kind of overstating it. If we isolate this statement, more than half of American businesses that closed down due to the economic lockdowns are permanently shut down, according to, you know, Yelp. Okay, Yelp is a business, for example, that, hey, 20 years ago, that what, what the heck is Yelp? So there are disruptions. There are changes. The real question that we should ask is, hey, how many of those businesses should come back? And if so, what could we do to help them come back? I think that's a very positive idea. And and Kurt, I have a suggestion because I don't believe that there's any problem that we should bring up that we won't provide our own solutions to. You can say, well, Sam, your solutions are so backwoods, redneck, they don't matter a darn. That's up to you to think that. But I'm telling you, I don't want to bring up problems that I can't at least point to solutions. You ready for them, Kurt? Yep. President Trump got this um, employer-employee tax, I don't know what it's called, FICA or whatever else, and said, hey, let's suspend it for a little bit between now and the end of the year. But nobody wants to do it, Kurt, because it's going to go away a little bit temporarily. And then it's going to come back with a vengeance and employers and employees and everybody are going to have to pay it back. It's such a nightmare. Nobody wants to do it. Now, I'm not here to, to trash Donald for trying to come up with a solution. But what I'm here to do is say, why don't we reduce it permanently, Kurt? Why don't we just take it and reduce it and make it permanent?
2: That's exactly right.
1: Okay. You or know, why don't we, we eliminate could give it entirely? a long entirely? list
2: of things to do. Yeah.
1: Okay, why don't we provide tax breaks for businesses? Why don't we look at the most unconstitutional tax and jettison that tax entirely? What would be the most unconstitutional tax you could think of, Kurt? Any idea?
2: The Federal Reserve.
1: Well, (laughs) good point, because that's a hidden inflationary tax on the people, isn't it?
2: Well yeah that's the way I see it. We were just talking about it when a, yeah. you know when a dollar uh, goes to 34 uh, you know something is uh, up
1: with that. Now speaking of the Federal Reserve, uh, here's what they are doing. The Federal Reserve's quote, latest economic forecast suggests that interest rates will remain near zero for years. Like through 2023 at a minimum they're saying. Now I don't really like that manipulation at all. You'd say, Sam, that's a great thing. No, it's not. Okay, because you're messing with the normal um, risk-reward analysis that businesses in the private sector does when you undermine that with interest rate manipulations. What we ought to do is get rid of the Federal Reserve entirely, as Kurt wisely points out, and go back to honest money. That's one choice. Uh, The other one of the most unconstitutional taxes I can think of uh, is, is property tax, Kurt. Okay, let me give you an example. I buy a microphone. I'm taxed on it once. It's called a sales tax. Then I'm done, right? Unless that's in a business now, Kurt. Then they tax me every year on that microphone, don't they?
2: Yeah, that's called a property tax or something like that. Yeah. It just it's a business on property
1: on. tax. I have to do them every year. I have to list every single item I have, itemize it, file it, do all this garbage. It's a compliance nightmare. Okay, They ought to get rid of that. Now, you would say, well, Sam, that's not even a federal tax. I know. It's like a county thing, right? Some counties are worse than others. I don't know how many counties don't have it at all. I guess states that don't have a property tax might not. I don't know. They might call it something else. But that's another most egregious one. I mean, how many times do I have to pay tax on my microphone, Kurt? Well, Sam, you pay year after year. You just depreciate it over time. Your $50 microphone there after 10 years, it's $9. And what are they talking about? same with your car why am i taxed over and over on my car if i buy a car sell a car to kurt kurt sells it then to brian brian sells it back to sam sam sells it to kurt kurt sells it to brian and we go around five times what do we pay taxes on that car like 15 times kurt
2: oh yeah baby
1: you've heard a double dip and what's it called when it just never ends i call it unconstitutional by the way it is constitution day We ought to go back to the Constitution. What do you think of that brand idea?
11: As you all know, Roe versus Wade has resulted in some of the most permissive abortion laws anywhere in the world. For example, in the United States, it's one of only seven countries to allow elective late-term abortions, along with China, North Korea, and others. Right now, in a number of states, the laws allow a baby to be born from his or her mother's womb in the ninth month. It is wrong. It has to change. Americans are more and more pro-life. You see that all the time. In fact, only 12% of Americans support abortion on demand at any time. Under my administration, we will always defend the very first right in the Declaration of Independence, and that is the right to life.
5: As a parent, is receiving a faith-based, character-focused education for your children difficult to find? Do you believe that godly principles should be a central component in your child's education? Imagine a school where faith and integrity are at its center, where heritage and responsibility instill character for over 40 years, American Heritage School has been educating both hearts and minds, bringing out academic excellence. This is the school where character and embracing the providence of a living God are fundamental, where students' national test scores average near the 90th percentile. With American Heritage School's advanced distance education program, distance is no longer an issue. With an accredited LDS-oriented curriculum from kindergarten through 12th grade, your children can attend from anywhere in the world. American Heritage School will prepare your child for more than a job. It will prepare them for life. To learn more, visit American Heritage.org. That's American Heritage.org.
1: All right. You would say, Sam, none of those ideas are realistic. Getting rid of the Federal Reserve, come on. Well, we got to be bold, ladies and gentlemen, if we want to, you know, restore the country. Got to be bold, man. But all right, you say that's too much. I got another idea. A simpler idea, Kurt.
2: A simpler idea. Yeah, you ready for it? Of course.
1: What if we just um, reduce the taxes on businesses altogether? What if we were to say, hey, we're going to go through and find the most egregious, unnecessary regulations and see how many we could put in a list. Maybe it's 5, 10, 15, 20, 50, 100, 500. I don't know the number. But somebody could go through and say, hey, we're going to get rid of these 50 just egregious regulations that just seem to gum things up for business. Just make it tough to get in business, stay in business. What are the biggest time suck compliance issues that where business owners are just like, oh, man, I... I don't have time for this. I think property taxes is one of them. Uh, But what's another one, Kurt?
2: Man, I mean, we're going to go down the list there. Uh, You you got the income tax. uh, Yeah. Certainly, uh, uh, you know, and you can replace that with so many good um, or do. What if we said there's no income tax at
1: all on businesses, just on people? Because really, businesses, listen carefully, businesses are nothing but pass-throughs to people, right, Kurt? Of course. Eventually, you would say, no, Sam, come on, businesses hold massive amounts of money. Yeah, but eventually the money either goes to growing the business or goes to people, does it not, Kurt? It's either saved, it's either put back into the business, or somehow it's spent out to the people. Is there another choice? Or how dumb am I?
2: Well, the thing is, Sam, uh, the whole world is taught the uh – I guess you could say the masses, that the evil businessman is the, uh, you know, target. And uh, they're the ones that get all the tax breaks and they're the ones that make all the money while they just, you know, just trickle down a few pennies to the, you know, those in the lower levels of the uh, economy, you know. And uh, it's a lie, but that's how all right, it. All right, then if they, you want to do that, what if we just take those. the
1: bottom fifty grand for every business and every person and say none of that's taxed, period?
2: Yeah, well,
1: well I, I would apply want to everybody equally, that right? whole bottom thing 50.
2: so then you don't have to have the government uh
1: I know, but it. I'm just thinking of ways that, you know, it could be simpler you there, Gary. get period. closer. Mm. You know, it's kind of like mm. I always want to do the whole thing like you're saying. Now you're saying you want to do the whole thing. Now I'm kind of going piecemeal, and you're going, hey, I want to do it all. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. We're just kind of playing a little bit different roles on this one, right? Because both points yeah. are accurate. I mean, your point's well taken. Let's just get it done. Let's be bold. I agree. But anyway, on Constitution Day, I think it's it would be um yeah irresponsible
2: Constitution.
1: for us not to kind of highlight this, especially when people are going, hey, jobless, jobless claims may be up by millions. More than half of American businesses are kind of melting down. Um, you know, the ones that are closed are staying closed. And the Federal Reserve has to keep interest rates to zero to try to help boom the economy. Then this headline I find interesting, Kurt, because I think it relates. You would say it's not economic, but I say that it is. When you talk about the half of, you know, these businesses that closed because of the COVID or remained closed, here's a headline, and tell me what you think of this. There's a new study out that says 95% of riots are linked to black lives matter, Kurt. And the damages are estimated to top over a billion dollars. Now you got damages to businesses and whatever, society or property, and over a trillion, what was that thing? Let's see. No, one billion dollars. And I look at something like that and I go, man, I know I'm redneck and everything, Kurt, but I can't really, I don't know how to respond to that. The number is staggering. And do you think that make it might make it a little harder for these businesses to, like, open the doors now, Kurt, with a billion dollars of damage and the potential of riots, or the second they open today, the riots are coming tonight and stuff like that? Is that an economic reality? So I would submit to you that we need to get bold. We need to shut down these Black Lives, Antifa, whatever you want to call it, these thugs that are rioting and doing over a billion dollars in damage to these businesses that are struggling to... <laughs> open up again, no wonder they're struggling, Kurt. How can they open up? If they open up today, there's a riot tonight. You think they're going to invest in their business and put money into it and go, hey, let's open the doors and clean the glass and come on in, maybe take your coat off idea, and they're they're just going to riot and destroy it tonight? So is it really an economic discussion, or is it more of a, well, it backs into economics, doesn't it, Kurt? Were they shut down because of the COVID? Maybe. Are they not reopening because of the COVID? Maybe, but it also might be because they're afraid to reopen in the current climate that we've created with the riots, Kurt, and the unwillingness to shut down, I would call it terrorism, to shut down these people that want to overthrow the country. And you can't avoid that discussion if we're going to talk about economics, can you? A billion dollars of damage. And then you go, these people are afraid to open, Kurt. And then you're like, oh, businesses aren't reopening. Donald's to blame. What? What? Okay, we've got to really call a spade a spade on this one. But there's got to be massive, I say huge economic repercussions, right, Kurt? Oh, yeah. yeah. Guys are like, well, I'm not going to reopen if you're going to defund the cops and I don't have any protection for my business. I'm just not doing I mean, that.
2: Put yourself in their spot, Sam. Yes, yeah, sir. Put yourself in their spot. Somebody, let's say you came to America years ago uh, from some foreign country, uh, you know, and you're... You're escaping uh, communism and socialism, and uh, you come in here for the uh, American dream. Uh, maybe you, you know you showed up here with just a pair of pants, and you build your business up. Uh, maybe you're in New York City or San Francisco, and and you know you remember the glory days when it was like, hey man, I'm just going to work hard and earn money, and you know you raise your kids, you send them off to college, and all that kind of stuff, and now you know your neighborhood is basically you see it if, if it's not already there you see it coming to you that well you got people that literally you got regulators that are trying to basically put you out of business it seems like telling you you can't do this you can't do that all this kind of stuff And you got um uh the neighborhood getting filled up with people that are uh basically running it uh telling you, um, you know, the police can't come in and, uh, you know, they're, they're threatening you, I mean, would you stay or would you just say, uh, I'm out of here, I'm heading for a, you know, like I think of the one little phrase in the movie, uh, um, oh, what's it called with the, uh, the hunt for Red October, you got these uh, Russian guys coming to America and wanting the defect and the... And the guy goes, I'm going to Montana and going to get me an RV and travel. Uh, can you travel from state to state without uh, papers? You know, in uh, and, and that kind of thing. And just imagine, I mean, you'd be crazy to stay in those big cities, Sam. Uh, I see it, uh, you know, right there when I'm selling honey right here in Utah County. I get these people coming from California. They're like, uh, we're, we're looking to relocate here to utah somewhere uh we got any ideas for me uh i mean they're leaving the smoke filled skies and the burning areas besides all the uh, bad government out of control government they're they're heading out sam well they are because they can't stand it big time
1: to make your point even more poignant kurt dateline california listen to this after shutting down for six months Disneyland and Universal Studios and other theme parks are asking California Governor Gavin Newsom to allow theme parks in the state to reopen. So you got this thug governor after six months that's still demanding these places are closed, and the companies are going, um, you're going to have tens of thousands of employees kind of gone if we can't reopen here. We've got all kinds of changes in place to socially distance and protect the public and to... You know, do all these things, and and now they're begging the governor, please let us open. And I'm telling you right now, this is an example. How can you run around and go, hey, half these businesses are closed, and it's horrible. And, well, why are they closed? Well, because of Gavin, or Gavin, I mean, Newsom. Now, that's one big reason. And you could say that's an isolated example. My response is, yeah, but it's, we're talking about tens of thousands of jobs, people. Okay, we're talking about some of the big business. And I'm not really a super fan of Disney per se, but I am for these private companies on their own private property to be able to open without some dictatorial thug's permission, Kurt, where he doesn't even have constitutional uh, authority to even decide this. But what do they do, Kurt, if they open and he just shuts them down or what? What choices
2: do these companies have? Think about uh, Disneyland, for example. You take Disneyland, uh, you know, known as the, uh, quote, happiest place on earth, right? Um, you know, Southern California was its uh, has been its starting place, if you will. But you take us back in history, Sam, uh, to uh, the time when, like, Ronald Reagan came to, well, the presidency. I mean, as far as I remember, he was the governor of California, Sam. Um uh, <laughs> I mean, going from him to Gavin Newsom, uh, you've got a massive change, Uh, you know, this whole bunch more regulation, a whole bunch more government, uh, big change in uh, society. Uh, California is, you know, a perfect example of what not to do if you want to have success, and Disneyland's right in the middle of it.
1: They sure are. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, we are celebrating Constitution Day. Did you know that's today, Kurt?
2: Okay. Happy Constitution Day, Sam. I mean, uh, you know, you're going to hear the NBC guys and CBS and ABC and all the big media will be touting it because, of course, right, they big constitutional supporters. And Nancy Pelosi will be reminding you that uh today's constitution day i mean she'll probably be handing out those little constitution booklets to everybody she sees because of course the constitution is something she seeks to uphold with every ounce of her being you know and uh, that's just the way she is because she's taken a a uh, what um an oath to support it i mean you know and so has every other government official so you'll be hearing lots and lots about it right sam
1: indeed so sir Uh, my headline for this says we are celebrating constitution day that's today are you that's kind of my headline for this one Kurt. great point sam but I look at this, and after shutting down for six months, these theme parks are just begging Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, we please let now? us reopen. If we don't yeah. reopen, we're going to melt down, and all these jobs are going to be lost and stuff. And I'm just going... I mean,
2: you've been to Disneyland, right, Sam? Oh, yeah, several times. Uh, well, can you think of a place that was more crowded?
1: Well, in the past, it was very crowded. Now it's not very crowded, Kurt.
2: That's right. You want to know why? They say
1: it's because of the COVID, but I don't think it's because of the COVID, Kurt. Why? It's because of Newsom.
11: This thug that thinks
1: he's a dictator in California, one of the great republics of our United States. And I think he's acting beyond his scope of authority. And I personally think he ought to be arrested, Kurt.
2: Well... You know, I don't think he's upholding the Constitution. Speaking of Constitution Day, you know what I'm saying?
1: I heard that. Anyway, if there you, you have it.
2: Californian, head out of there.
1: All right, hour one in the can, hour two coming up. Sam and Kurt, hard-hitting talk. You're listening to Liberty Roundtable Live, syndicated by LovingLiberty.net.
0: Live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk radio Show. Talk
1: show.
9: All right, happy to
1: have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman and Kirk Crosby live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that networks refuse to use, no doubt, continues now. This is the broadcast for Thursday, September the 17th, in the year of our Lord 2020. This is our two of two and our goal always, steady as a rock for over 25 years. Our goal is to promote God, family, and country and to protect life, liberty, and property and bring to you news that I refuse to use and stand tall for the sacred cause of liberty. We promote the Savior, Jesus Christ, the author of our liberty. Uh, Kurt Crosby, I got an email from the 10th Amendment Center. They say, hey, man, this is the shortest email we've ever sent. They say, happy Constitution Day. And here's the irony, (laughs) listen to this, and here's the irony, today is the day that the largest government in the history of the world unconstitutionally mandates that schools unconstitutionally funded by the unconstitutional Department of Federal Education unconstitutionally teaches kids about constitutional limits on federal power. (laughs) So rather than focus on September 17th for us, Constitution Day is every day of the year. We're rolling up our sleeves every single day to teach people about the Founder's Constitution and the checks and balances required to enforce it. Thank you so much for being here with us. Anyway, pretty good email. From all the folks at the uh, 10th Amendment Center, Constitution Day should be every day of the year. And I think they got a wise, wise point, Kurt.
2: Couldn't agree more, Sam. Yeah, great point.
1: Uh, Anyway, I'm going to really kind of talk about this a little bit more because I think Constitution Day should be every day of the year. I mean, it's it's kind of sad to even have a Constitution Day. Don't get me wrong, it's a wonderful day to acknowledge and to remember and to highlight and to focus on and the wonderful blessings that the Constitution brings, Kurt. But I uh, I kind of think if you have a Constitution Day, it's like, um, I don't know, do we not focus on it except for when it's Constitution Day, you know? Does that mean we just kind of don't really care about the Constitution except on the one day we just celebrate and whatever? I guess there's a little bit of a disconnect in my mind if we celebrate Constitution Day every day of the year when we need a Constitution Day. And (laughs) it's an interesting question from the Tenth Amendment Center, but I kind of think both is true. We ought to highlight the day and have great remembrance and and, and gratitude and appreciation and and a focus on that day to, to keep it in remembrance. But I also think that we really need to double down on the Constitution as one of the great solutions. That's what this radio program is about literally almost every day of the year. I say almost because we take a break on the Sabbath and once in a while we're out of town or whatever. But, man, for us, Constitution Day is every day of the year, too, isn't it, Kurt?
2: Yep. Great point, Sam. Anyway, I
1: thought I'd bring that to your attention because I thought that was kind of relevant. All right, Kurt wants to talk about massive clouds of mosquitoes. Kurt, this is your stories from the ninth. Massive clouds of mosquitoes—they're like murderous mosquitoes, too, aren't they, Kurt?
2: <laughs> well, Sam, uh, you know, you look at this and you think—at uh, least I do—I think of uh, our uh, basically the plagues and in modern society. You know, you think, wow. Um, Maybe just a little bit more of that. I mean, when you read uh, in Scripture about Moses' time, and they had the frogs and the uh, boils and all the different things, you know, uh, now they got massive clouds of mosquitoes. I mean, think about that. It's just uh, pretty amazing, don't you think?
1: What's this USA Today the story comes from? It says, Swarms of Mosquitoes. Have literally killed cows, deers, or deer, I'm sorry, horses, and other livestock down there in Louisiana, Kurt. After rain from Hurricane Laurel, I guess it is, right? Mm -hmm. Led to an explosion in the pest's population. Massive clouds of mosquitoes kill cows in Louisiana after Hurricane Laura. It's kind of a scary thing, Kurt.
2: Well, I think so, I mean, uh, and, and you can see how, I mean, you just get an animal just gets covered by mosquitoes and they just suck the blood out of them, I mean, it's just, uh, uh, I mean, yeah, when things go wrong, uh, you know, things could be, uh, pretty rough, uh, Sam, and. That's a great example of it, I think.
1: Yeah, I'm kind of a redneck, though, Kurt. I look at things like this, and it reminds me of the scriptures where it just says you're going to have plagues and natural and man-made disasters. And I just kind of think about this and think, man, is it really, like, normal for mosquitoes just to go crazy and just, like, kill all these animals? And I mean, there's so many of them, and they're so, I don't know what to say, but alive and powerful. You know, swarms of mosquitoes, swarms of ants. We hear about it these killer bees the... and killer insects. And these are a the sign of the times, in my opinion, Kurt.
2: Well, yeah, and there's a... Oh, I can't remember where I saw this story or read about it or heard it. Uh, but it was uh, just recent days. Uh, they were talking about how uh, some government officials uh, were going to uh, release some different types of mosquitoes that would... Uh, Well, the goal, of course, they said, was uh, make it so that uh, the other ones wouldn't survive. So they had some manipulated kind of mosquito, and it was going to make it so that if they uh, reproduced, then uh, the babies wouldn't survive or something like that, you know, salmon. Of course, (laughs) I mean, we've never seen, uh, you know, out of control uh, things like this go awry. I mean, it's always, uh,
1: you know, a
2: great uh, solution, right?
1: Well, there's a headline to make your point, Kurt, that says fact check. EPA, clears Genetically Modified Mosquitoes, it's USA Today, Kurt. Now, what do you think of this?
2: Yeah, I think that's the story I'm talking about. Uh, So, I mean, uh, imagine you're... Pals at the Environmental Protection Association or uh, agency, I should say, um, are saying, hey, man, we got some, um, you know, genetically modified mosquitoes and it'll be the fix to uh, every problem you got with mosquitoes. I mean, you going to go for that, Sam?
1: Uh, No. I think I'm going to. What's the word? Abstain. (laughs) The Environmental Protection Agency, Kurt. Approved an experimental use permit on May 1st that allows OxyTech, I think that's the company's name, to release genetically modified mosquitoes in the Florida Keys, Kurt, mm-hmm. and in Harris County, yeah. Texas. Now, are you fine with these things, Kurt?
2: Nope. And, and I'll have, since it is Constitution Day, I'll highlight the fact that you're going to have a real tough time finding the... Uh, Environmental Protection Agency in the Constitution. I mean, you're going to have to really read between the lines, if you will, and uh, maybe scribble in some extra words there, if you ask me. Uh, that, that just It's just not there, Sam.
1: I look at this, and I go, wait a minute. The EPA, Kurt, literally received a permit. And then they approved, I guess, an experimental use permit to release these mosquitoes. Kurt, I'm not comfortable with this. They say it relates to West Nile virus and everything else. And Where's this going to go, Kurt? Where's the end for this thing? They say the goal is to meet today's public health challenges head on, Kurt. The nation needs to facilitate innovation, and uh, they need to work on the science and uh, new tools to better help and protect the health of all Americans. According to the EPA's news release, Kurt, I don't really know how to respond to this. Don't worry, though. It's only for two years, Kurt, and it requires Oxytech to monitor and sample the mosquito population weekly, buddy. EPA has also maintained the right to cancel the permit at any point during the twenty-four month period. And uh, you want to know why, Kurt? Be mm, sure. In case unforeseen outcomes occur. Yeah. Think there's going to be some unforeseen outcomes on this one, Kurt? Uh, yeah. People are saying, wait, why would a company create a new kind of mosquito? What purpose would it serve? Uh-huh. Yeah, they said that it could drastically reduce the spread of all kinds of viruses, Kurt. Yep. Anyway, <laughs> I look at this thing, and I go, what are we doing, Kurt? Mm-hmm. you think it's smart to go ahead and do these... uh Genetically modified mosquitoes, Kurt, those are the ones that are going to basically put their little, you know, sucker in you and then suck your blood and then spread it around, right? And we're saying we're going to do this for the safety of people? And an unconstitutional government agency is going to give, quote, experimental capabilities to this thing? Are they directly experimenting on the people with this, Kurt? They would say no. I would say yes. EPA clears genetically modified mosquitoes. Wow. Quick pause, ladies and gentlemen. This is insanity.
8: As the United States boldly stepped forward in the glorious light provided by its new Constitution in 1787... The nations of the earth were in awe of the newfound strength and hope of this free land. Today, the nation stands at a crossroads. A divergence from the original intent put forth in the United States Constitution has brought grave threats to our beloved nation. A miracle is needed if the United States is to survive. That miracle is again the pure application of the United States Constitution. I'm Scott Bradley.
12: just like a credit card, or I can ask them to drop it right into mommy and daddy's bank account because we're a UPMA member family. Find out more at upma.org. That's upma.org.
1: All right. Kurt's got an update. COVID in the classroom. Now that they've been back in session, in the government schools, Kurt, for quite a a while here now. There's kind of an update on how well they're faring, Kurt.
2: Well, this is written by Star Parker, one of our favorite authors. Uh, She's a, uh, well, a black lady uh, that is a conservative, which, you know, uh, at least in the media, you don't find too many of those that get talked about. Uh, In fact, she rarely gets spoken of in the... you know, the standard uh, media, and yet uh, she points out that, um, you know, they've got, um, well, people that are concerned about the whole uh, government school things, a big bunch of them are what you would call minority people, Sam. Um, you know, she said that, uh, you know, they're quite concerned that there's a, uh, you know, tough times out there and that they don't get treated right. Um, you know, going along with this, I saw a, uh, you know, a recent story where it says, uh, at least a little bit more recent, uh, CNS News says, D.C. public schools spend 30k per student, only 23% of 8th graders proficient in reading. Um, you know, and so you have um, this massive uh, um situation where, uh, you know, people are, uh, starting to look and say, uh, are we getting our money's worth? Uh, she says, uh, you know, her headline is open schools this fall. Um, you know, I, I mean, uh, we, just like we've talked about, uh, we would, uh, of course hope for any improvement there, but we'd like to, in the, uh, effort to make America great again, uh, you know, uh, eliminate the things that shouldn't be there. Uh, It seemed like uh, Education Secretary Betsy DeVos has, you know, understood that. Uh, For example, uh, you know, she's quoted in uh, Star Parker's article uh, and, um, you know, um, these are uh, people that the National Education Association just, you know, um, completely oppose. So you've got those people on the two sides and uh you know star parker basically says uh no surprise the nea's priority has never been educating children its priority is protecting its members teachers uh teachers get paid whether schools are open or not what do leaders of teachers unions care about the hard uh work needed to create a safe environment now so children can be physically present in school the only real viable option for learning they don't care she says why should they care Um, it's
1: all about a cash county union you get yourself teacher what's that called tenure uh where you basically just get to be there forever and unless you do something like super criminal You're there forever, Kurt. You don't have to really be a good teacher. You don't have to be accountable. You don't have to work hard. You don't have to be... You just got these special, you know, kind of privileges or whatever. And so, no offense, why do they care about the student, Kurt? That's exactly right. And we're not trying to find teachers that really care, and that's why they're there, necessarily. That's a good point. Anyway, Star Parker's spot on. She's right as rain. I'd like to get Star Parker on the radio with us. I'd I'd also like to get Candace Owens on the radio with us. But, man... I reach out to them, and they're hard to get a hold of. Yes, sir. You know, no matter how hard I try to work with some of these people and help them and promote them. For example, this uh, Lauren Boebert lady, uh, nice lady, running for office in Colorado. You know, she's the one in Rifle, Colorado, that has the Shooter's Grill or whatever. I emailed them, and they wrote back and said, oh, we're just focusing on our local town here. Maybe we can talk in 30 days.
2: Uh Uh-huh.
1: Kurt, in 30 days, what, will the election be right on us?
2: Well, yeah, I mean, the next statement closer.
1: she'll say is, well, we're right by the election. We're so busy right now. We can't handle it. Maybe after the election. Well, then our ability to even help or do anything for them and, and promote the cause and, is zero. Then what if she loses? Then it's like, oh, what's the point of an interview? If she wins, it's like, oh, now we're congressmen. We're too busy.
2: Great point, Sam. Well, you know, all we can do is all we can do. You know, that's uh, we know that's it pretty much. You know, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you know, it's amazing to me to see uh, the different things. Uh, you know, I guess you could say uh, on the one hand, you might say disaster from sea to shining sea. On the other hand, um, you know, hopeful uh, situations. I I see, uh, you know, when I'm uh, selling honey and I talk to people, like uh, last night I talked to this couple that had moved here to Utah from Montana Sam and so this is not the typical ones like uh, moving uh, from California the big cities uh, you know over regulation although I I think Montana's got some uh, I'm sure they've got some out-of-control bureaucrats but one of the things uh, they suggested is uh, because I commented that every so often I feel kind of like moving from here to a place like Montana they said well, what you want to do is make sure you go there when it's really cold, and that, that'll get you the picture of, uh, why you don't want to be in Montana, but, uh, you know, in fact, they, they moved here, uh, just real close to where we live, and they, uh, he did co- comment that kind of, he wished, he, he didn't have such a big mortgage, you know, but, uh, I suggest to folks, um, do some social distancing, head out to smaller places, to, um, smaller towns and realize that, uh, hey, just because you don't have a Costco or a Walmart right next to you, you'd still be able to survive. You might even, uh, I guess you could say go back in time and, uh, maybe you'd, uh, garden and you'd, uh, you know, uh, can and put some, uh, things up and get in touch with the earth you might have a chicken or two uh and your neighbors might not be so close that they'd hear every chicken squawk every morning uh they could uh you know come and borrow some get some eggs and you could take them uh they could bring you over some zucchini or whatever and uh you know you could look for a kinder gentler life you know uh but there's a lot of uh you know, I think, ways to make life a little better in these days. So, you know, you've got those two pictures uh, we were talking about earlier, the the changes we're seeing in society because of, you know, you could say uh, the corona, but I would say especially out-of-control governments, uh, they're encouraging people to do more, uh, quote, social distancing, and that is simply uh, by you know, heading to places like South Dakota where they got more freedom or, uh, you know, encouraging your local uh, officials to, uh, you know, let a little more freedom go on there. Apparently, they've even had some uh, folks walking through Target without a mask on, Sam. I mean, you know, that's, that's definitely a problem. I mean, imagine what do you uh, mean? people walking through there.
1: Why is that a problem? It's fantastic.
2: Well, I'm just saying that... Uh, Kurt, let me tell you some
1: headlines that kind of highlight the point that I'm making. So I've maintained credibility this whole time. I've told people that vitamin C, vitamin D, good, clean water, uh, nutrition, plenty of sleep, plenty of rest, plenty of outdoors and sunlight. That's going to make some of the biggest difference. I've mentioned that certainly there's people that are vulnerable among us that we should try to uh, be cognizant about and protect. But for the most part, the sooner we all get it uh, and develop herd immunity, natural herd immunity, the better. Uh, And what we need to do is do all the things that we can do naturally and and God-given to nurture our uh, immune systems and, 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 you know, prevent underlying conditions and everything else. Well, now there's two headlines that highlight your point. turns out that the headline says CDC failures as virus spreads. It's a massive attack on the CDC from the liberals uh, in USA Today and other rags now. Now, I'm not here to defend the unconstitutional CDC, Kurt. But I am here to say what they're trying to do is say Trump's CDC. But then the next headline from the CDC says this. Blacks and Hispanics have higher death rates. USA today. So wait a minute. We got the CDC failures on one hand that they're going to highlight. No trash. Then at the other hand, they're going to basically say, well, the CDC is saying that blacks and Hispanics are getting beat up by the corona more than anybody else. Well, if with all the failures, can we even trust anything coming out of the CDC? No, well, I don't think. Well, if we so. can't trust anything coming out of the CDC, then Curtin, it's unconstitutional. Why don't we just shut that sucker down? So, if I was Donald Trump, I would say, "Liberals, you guys are absolutely right. The CDC, we spend seven billion dollars on that thing. Gone. You want to save money? You want to go ahead and back off on unconstitutional government? You want to go ahead and attack the CDC? By all means, we just shut it down. That's my advice to President Trump." And that's my advice. Now, I don't know if Hispanics and black people are suffering more from the corona or not, Kurt. But if so, then my next question would be why? Is it because of the pigmentation in their skin, their race? Is it something in their, quote, DNA makeup that makes them more vulnerable to this? Well, if this Chinese person, this Chinese doctor, this virologist or whatever is correct, then I would say if it was man-made, was it intended to attack those groups more, Kurt? Was it specifically man-made and manipulated and genetically modified like the mosquitoes or something to um, go ahead and attack those people more? Did racists create the coronavirus? Uh, Otherwise, if there's underlying conditions and there's no sinister plot of conspiracy, what might we do to help with the underlying conditions? Huh?
0: Proclaiming liberty across the land. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA
6: Radio News with Chris Barnes.
9: Weekly jobless claims now below a million for the third week in a row, as Labor Department figures just released show 860,000 Americans filed first-time claims for jobless benefits last week. That's 33,000 fewer than the previous week's total, which was revised up to 893,000. Economist Joel Naroff says it's somewhat good news.
7: New claims for unemployment insurance ease again last week, but they remain well above 800,000. That is still an extraordinarily high number and indicates that another 3 million or more employees could lose their jobs this month.
9: The southeastern U.S. still getting dumped on with rain from what was Hurricane Sally. And already forecasters say there's a 70 percent chance that another system in the Gulf could become a tropical depression by this weekend. And you're listening to USA Radio News.
12: Are you interested in making 10, 20, even $40,000 a month flipping houses? Then listen to this exciting opportunity. Jeremy Isles and Tony Rosenblum, founders of High Impact Outcomes, are ready to show you how they have helped first time investors flip hundreds of houses in 39 states for substantial profits. What's their secret, you ask? Just text Hurry to 72000 right now and they'll send you a free copy of their 40k formula flip kit. See how using their innovative strategies with the right internet search tools can help you create off-market deals that really Filters and other investors don't even know existed. Text HURRY to seven two zero 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 now to get your free 40K formula flip kit and get ready to see how fast you can receive your first or next real estate paycheck. Text HURRY to seven two zero 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 right now to get your 40K formula flip kit plus free tickets to a live interactive online training class. Text HURRY to seven two zero zero zero. That's text HURRY to seven two zero 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 for your free 40K flip kit now. They can't wait to see you there. Individual results may vary.
11: To COVID-19. He just made a mistake. I think he misunderstood the question, probably.
9: That's President Trump on the CDC director Robert Redfield telling a congressional hearing yesterday that a vaccine probably won't be available until sometime in the middle of next year.
11: When he said it, I believe he was confused. I'm just telling you, we're ready to go as soon as the vaccine happens. The president says he believes a vaccine
9: will be authorized soon and made available to the general public very quickly. For the first time ever, the most coveted award in country music is going to not one, but to two musicians. Carrie Underwood and Thomas Rhett were both named Entertainer of the Year. At last night's ACM Awards, which were held largely virtually, originating from the Grand Old Opera House, Carrie Underwood had won the award twice in the past, 2009 and 2010. It was the first such win for Rhett. And you're listening to USA Radio News.
1: All right, I'm for for shutting down the unconstitutional CDC. If the CDC's failures as the virus spreads, and if the CDC is saying blacks and Hispanics have higher rates of, what do you call it? corona attacks death rates because of the coronavirus Uh, then look are they racist over at the CDC if this virus was man-made we're shutting down this doctor this Chinese doctor on Twitter can't talk about it but wait a minute if the virus was man-made and it attacks blacks and Hispanics more than whites is it a racial man-made COVID virus if it's not if there's no conspiracy or sinister agenda there with genetically modified whatevers, mosquitoes on to Coronaviruses, right? Um, if it's not a sinister conspiracy or a racist agenda, but it, then um, why is it affecting Hispanics and blacks more? Do they have the DNA makeup that it attacks? Did God do that? Did man do that? Uh, a greater question, if there are underlying conditions that are causing it that are uh, more um, often found in blacks and Hispanics and everything else, what can we do about that? Maybe less drugs, maybe better neighborhoods, maybe uh, fathers at home caring for and watching their children, maybe less junk food, maybe, okay, these are all within the control of the individuals and the families, Kurt. We don't need government to take the lead. We need government to play a support role. First way they can play a support role is quit funding mama and kicking out dad. educate 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 as ben carson is doing to say listen you can't run around and claim you're a victim you got to do something about it families but is that racist for me to say can i can i say that or am i just like a bad guy See, but i say shut down the cdc if they've got all kinds of failures and they're making these claims are their claims true can we even trust their claims about the blacks and the hispanics or is the cdc just gone rogue and racist kurt All right, I digress. Rush Limbaugh now says we love David Horowitz. Book predicts Donald Trump landslide, Kurt. Do you love David Horowitz, Kurt?
2: Well, I wouldn't really be able to tell you much about him. I think I've heard his name several times. And if I remember right, this is a guy that used to be the socialist, communist kind of big shot. And then he's uh, come around from there. Is that the same guy? Yes, sir. Now, I appreciate that
1: he's changed from a communist to a freedom lover, and I hope his change is truly genuine and honorable, and I'm grateful for that. I mean, if he really has seen the light and come to the truth, wonderful. But I'm not going to be the guy running around going, I love Horowitz, but I sure hope Horowitz is right, that there is a landslide for President Donald Trump, Kurt. Uh, And so it's interesting. I wouldn't run around and say I love David Horowitz, though. I'd say, hey, good on him for changing and knowing the truth. Good for people who don't know about God and Christ to eventually come to the knowledge of the truth on that. Good for people who are liberals that decide to become conservatives. Good for people who uh, you know, don't believe in the principles that make America great to change and believe in them. I think that's all wonderful, but I'm not here to just promote David Horowitz or Rush Limbaugh or any man. The one I want to promote, Curtis is Jesus Christ. But I don't want to run around and love Horowitz, but then trash George Washington. Next headline Kurt has says, if Confederate generals were traitors, then so was George Washington. An incredible history lesson from Walter E. Williams, Kurt.
2: Well, there's another guy, uh, you know, going along with Star Parker, another of our uh, the the people from, I guess you could say, uh, you know, the. uh, Black Americans, I just call them Americans, uh, another good American. So you believe in Lloyd Marcus's
1: out. view of unhyphenated Americans, right, Kurt?
2: Well, yeah. I, you know, I mean, there's just so many good ones. Uh, ben Carson, go on down the list. David A. Clark. Uh, but here's Walter E. Williams basically saying, uh, if Confederate generals were traitors, so was George Washington. Walter E. Williams educates readers about the historical state's right of secession, Sam. Well,
1: you know, he's correct, and his point is not that George Washington's a traitor. His point is you got to look at history in its real, honorable context. And he's spot on right, Kurt. Yes, yeah, exactly. Okay, right. what he's talking about is, hey, st- states do have the right of secession. Uh, the Founding Fathers certainly had some things wrong, and they weren't perfect. But remember, they were born into a, a die-cast societal system of slavery. Well, let's don't act like there was no slaves, and all of a sudden the The founding fathers went on this bender to create a slave state or whatever. They were born into this system. Is it right? Of course not. I'm not defending it. I'm just a little bit defending what if you were born in the middle of that in your life? You know, you might have been uh, a secessionist. You might have been for getting rid of slavery. You might have been whatever. Um, Oh, what do they call those people that were uh, against slaves? What was it called? Abolitionist,
2: Abolitionist, not a Uh,
1: secessionist. Yeah, yeah. Um, an abolitionist. You might have been one of those, and that would be great in your day. And that would be to your credit. Many of those, uh, the founding fathers were abolitionists in their hearts. Uh, proof of that is sometimes when they would, um, you know, die on their deathbed, they would uh, free their slaves and stuff. And you'd say, well, on their deathbed. that they, they were afraid of being killed if they didn't do that, Kurt. It was a very tough environment. I'm not defending the environment, but I am defending the circumstantial reality they had to live in and deal with, Kurt.
2: Very good point, Sam. Yeah. And when you look at this uh, Walter Williams piece, uh, talking about you know, uh, he gives you, I mean, if you if you just want to read this or study it up, you know, he he gives you a great history lesson, tells you about how, uh, he says, let's start at the beginning, namely the American War of Independence. He puts 1775 to 1783, a war between Great Britain and its 13 colonies, which declared independence in July 1776. Then he tells you about the peace agreement and uh, Ben Franklin and different people there, and you know, here's a man who has studied it up and understands the beauties of America and uh, the. I mean, for example, on the on the part about uh, the secession that he talks about, um, he says most Americans do not know that first secessionist movement started in New England, you know, because he's bringing up the idea of, uh, at least earlier in his article, he talks about the Civil War and the whole South wanting to secede from the Union, you know, and, uh, you know, like I didn't know that the first secessionist movement started in New England. He says, many New Englanders were infuriated by President Thomas Jefferson's Louisiana Purchase in 1803 which they saw as an unconstitutional act. Timothy Pickering of Massachusetts, who was George Washington's Secretary of War and Secretary of State, led the movement. Uh, He said the Eastern states must and will dissolve the Union and form a separate government. I mean, uh, did you ever learn about this before sam i had not heard about this uh, but you know that's what happens when you read and study hey man i history. grew up in the yeah. government
1: school i yeah. knew nothing about it until i had to, had to strike right. out and unlearn all the propaganda that i learned and work on kind of reconstructing reality and you know had to Good work point. at it buddy greg from utah yeah. wants to time in hi greg Yeah,
13: sam uh chris commons uh spot on but anyway the, the founders inherited the institution of slavery from the British. And uh, they did everything within their power to, to abolish it, to eradicate it. There's a clause in the Constitution that says slave, no, slaves cannot be imported into the United States after 1820. At the Philadelphia Convention, <clears throat> the founding fathers uh, attempted to abolish slavery, but the southern states balked. So there were efforts to abolish slavery. And again, the founding fathers inherited that system from the British, and they realized it was morally wrong, and they tried to do their best. I mean, you can't change it overnight. It takes years and years, as we know. So, I mean, to to disparage the founders is wrong. Uh, They were highly respected men, men of God, very uh, um, uh, wise in their their efforts and and what have you, but anyway— like I
1: said, to disparage the Founding Fathers is is, uh, an abomination. Really, Walter E. Williams, a black gentleman, is the one uh, making these points. Uh, Kurt and I are talking about this story. We agree with Walter on this, uh, Greg, that the Founding Fathers were honorable people. The manipulated history from the extremists uh, needs to be jettisoned, and that's why Walter E. Williams takes the time, ladies and gentlemen, to really teach people about the historical rights uh, to secession and um, abolition and all these things. I think Walter's pointing it out. He's saying, you know, if Confederate generals are so was George Washington. None of them are evil folks. It's a matter of hey, they did the best they could circumstantially. I was the one that brought up the idea that they're all born into this caste system of slavery, yep. and many of them worked yep. their whole lives to jettison those things. And so, you know, we can, what we want to do is we want to judge the the um, the viewpoints and understanding and efforts uh, of those who lived yesteryear, by today's circumstantial reality and standards, and it's not an it's not an honest or fair thing to do at all. I'll give you a quick example. Back in the day, I a, a lot of these people married their cousins, and at first you go, "What was that back then? That was weird." Well, in today's society, when we can travel all over and meet people over the internet, and we travel all over the country and all over the world, it's easy to not marry your cousin. But back in the day, when you couldn't travel and that's all you knew, and the families next door were, you know, 20 miles away or 10 miles away and they were abusive to their kids, you're like, well, not marrying into that. What choices did they have? So, you know, you got to look at it in context, in my opinion. Do you have more, Greg?
13: Yeah, so there's, um, there's still the civil silver one. Hold on, one. we got to break. Do you have more, Greg? Greg? Yes, I do. All right, hang
1: tight. Stay there, sir. Quick pause. We'll go right back to Greg in a second.
6: Do we reflect about our future and where we, as a culture, are moving? Do we keep our trust in our jobs, homes, money, life necessities, investments, stock markets? Do we believe that our 401ks or other retirements will always be there and that the current economic order will recover? Is the economy going to recover and life return to normal? It ain't gonna happen, by a friend of Medjugorje, whether you are poor, middle class or rich, it Ain't Gonna Happen, a book of astounding revelations about the present economic order and where we are heading. It Ain't Gonna Happen, by a friend of Medjugorje. To order, visit medj.com, spelled N-E-J dot or call Caritas in the U.S., 205-672-2000, 205-672-2000.
10: when countries ruin their currency.
1: I'm merely pointing out that I think we need to be fair and open and honest about the context in which, uh, the circumstances in which people live. We can't just take history out of context and treat people. Or, uh, you know, attack people or focus on people based on our modern understanding and circumstances. Things were different there. Their understanding was different. They did the best they could. And, you know, I'm not really here to trash people who can't defend themselves, right? I'm more uh, in favor of a guy named Patrick Henry than I am uh, against, uh, you know, than I am some of the other founding fathers. Uh, So, you know, but that's just my opinion. I study history and do the best that I can. But we need to be very careful. Uh, when we take things out of context against the broader story or the broader discussion, you know, if we believe in the mainstream press view, hey, all the founders were a bunch of slave owner perverts and they were good for nothing. Okay, that's not an, a, a true representation of reality. And we got to stand up against it, as Greg wisely points out, on Constitution Day. Greg?
13: Yeah, so the, most people are not aware that the uh, the Civil War was not fought over slavery but state rights and state sovereignty. And just to make another comment, just to address it, I want yeah, and to And by the way, that's why Walter Three Williams, see-
1: hold on really quick, Greg, that's why Walter E. Williams ties secession directly into that discussion for that very purpose.
13: Yeah, so another, one thing that bothers me is people who wear masks, wearing a mask is a symbol of oppression. And people wear these masks, and I, it just blows my mind. I mean, a mask is not going to protect you from the virus. And because the particles are so minute and so small, they will penetrate just about any mask. And the best way to protect yourself from the virus is to wash your hands. Because when you touch things and you touch your your mouth or you rub your eyes, that's how you're going to contract the virus. And uh, that's a better way. But people are wearing the mask. I've been walking into uh, Macy's and also uh, into Walmart without a mask. No one has said anything. There's only like one or two people uh, when I go in there who do not have masks on. So... I mean, we have to start resisting and, and, and rebelling against this oppression. It's unbelievable what's happening. And so if they're conditioned to, a, to wear a mask, they'll be conditioned to take, uh, take, the, uh, take a, a vaccine for the virus. And it may, it may be mandated and people may be uh, inclined to, to take the vaccine or, you know, have the vaccine. But this is all about tyranny. It's, it has nothing to do about, a liber- I mean, nothing to do about safety or, or health. It's about subduing the population to, into accepting government edicts and mandates. And it's tyranny in its purest form, and there has to be resistance to it. I wish more people would rebel against it. But they had these, these gatherings, and in, in, uh, in, in where I live, there were a couple thousand people They were not wearing masks. And so, this, so, there, so there is resistance. People are beginning to wake up, and we have to call it what it is. It's a symbol of oppression
1: you want to respond kurt
2: well uh you know the one thing i would tell you is there's some uh, nice workarounds at least when it comes to the whole mask thing um like for example uh some of the uh well the only two farmers markets that i'm allowed to participate in um you know tell us that the uh uh, vendors must wear a mask, you know, that kind of thing. I use what's called a face shield, uh, and, you know, you can breathe a lot better in that, and it seems like most people let you get by with that. Um, you know, um, there, then there's this um, one new kind of thing that I just got a little uh, a couple of days ago that you put underneath a mask, and it kind of lifts it out so it doesn't make it touch your face, and you can breathe much better on that uh and then the other little um key thing is you know how it's all it's always okay if you want to drink or eat you can take your mask off so i i suggest to folks to constantly be eating or drinking something you know have something with you and just you know, if somebody asks you to say well i'm i'm eating now uh so there's uh ways around that and hopefully uh we'll see more and more uh well freedom, break out, and less and less masks.
1: Yeah, there's a problem with Kurt's idea of wearing shields, though. How are you going to get everybody sick if they can breathe, Kurt?
2: That's a great point, Sam. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, maybe Greg has a solution there.
1: Yeah, their goal is to get everybody sick what, with the- what Kurt's doing. How are you going to keep everybody sick,
9: Greg?
13: I know. Well, I mean, the, the government's not concerned about people who contract the virus or how many people die the issue is they want to be able to manipulate and control the people. That's all they're concerned about. And to have – and initially when this thing broke out, um, you know, the people in the nursing homes were dying. They were not protected properly. And, and so there was no care for the elderly and, and, and the consequences that resulted from it. But um, the government is is never – uh, how can I say that? They're not concerned about the welfare of the people. All they, all they want to do is control and manipulate the population, and for the most part, the population has subscribed to it. And it just bothers me when you see people driving in a car alone with a mask on. I mean, it's just like, what's? I'm just baffled by it. They can't be that stupid, but again, I mean, things indicate that they are. And so, hopefully, things will change. Things will get better, and people will start resisting this oppression, and this tyranny. And uh, I'm just annoyed with it. And, and when I walk into a, a restaurant or into a, a supermarket or what have you, 99% of the people are wearing masks. And I'm saying to myself, what are you doing? I mean, why not? I mean, it's not going to help you. It's not going to protect you from the virus. And yet they're, they're subjected to this kind of tyranny, and, and they're in compliance with it. And they enjoy. I think they enjoy what they're doing. They think they're patriotic by, a, by wearing these masks. It's just, it's a, a, like I said, it's a symbol of oppression. And we have to call it what it is, and I think there has to be more resistance against it and and more people speaking out against it. And again, about several weeks ago, there was a rally uh, nearby where I live. There was 2,000 people, and not one person was wearing a mask. So it shows you how ridiculous this thing is. And people are getting upset, and um, I just feel that the government has to back off and, and let the people live and let them decide how they want to live their lives. I don't want the government to regulate my breathing when I wear a mask. I can't breathe effectively, so the government's going to regulate my breathing? Really? It's crazy. It's nonsense. And uh, I just wanted to bring that to light.
1: So, question, do you think that Donald Trump will win in a landslide?
13: Well, I'm, I'm hearing that. I mean, sheesh. Uh, you know, I it wouldn't surprise me, you know, if he lost, because the, the I, I feel the elections could be rigged, and— um, it's happened in the past. There's been evidence of that and docu- documentation to establish that. But um, I feel that you know, they could rig it in, 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 in uh, Biden's favor. But I hope that uh, I can't say I hope, but but he should win. But you never know. I mean, it's just you know I don't trust the government, and and I feel that they could manipulate the elections. But but uh, some people claim or say that he's going to win in the landslide. So we'll have to see what happens. I, I know when Reagan ran against Carter. The, the experts are saying it's too close. It's too cl- close to call. The election is too close to call, and Reagan won in a landslide. So we just we just don't know. It's hard to predict. I hate making predictions, but uh, based on what I'm hearing, uh, people expect him to win in a landslide. So we'll see how it turns out. But I just can't. I'm not going to make that claim because I'm not certain of it.
9: All right, there you have it. Well, Kurt. Sam,
2: uh, you know, I'll throw a couple of things in on this question. Um, you know, here's one headline from Breitbart man installs electric fence to guard Trump twenty twenty sign. Um, you know <laughs> I mean uh uh I've never seen it in this case. Uh I mean we've seen uh, elections in the past where somebody put up a sign, they'd somebody steal it or they'd mark it up or tear it down or something like that. But I mean you got people that are you know literally uh you know just i mean they're going kind of crazy on this if you ask me uh you got another one that says uh let's see um Delaware State Police searching for suspects who threw raw eggs at children adults uh, attending a Republican rally in Wilmington so why would people um You know, show up to a thing like this when they think, man, somebody's going to throw raw eggs at me. They might be hitting me. They might be uh, beating me up afterwards on the way home. I mean, you know, that's going to kind of affect the polls and all that kind of stuff. And I think uh, it's going to make those people even more willing to get out there and vote and try to call a halt to this um, crazy stuff that's going on. Don't you think, Greg?
13: Yeah, I think I think you make a good point because there's a lot of um, how can I put it? People who for Trump they're being criticized, you know, you know, by the media and and then how you described it, you know, in, in other situations that people the eggs are being thrown at people who support, you know, the you know Republican principles or or support the president. And there's a lot of this going on, so it may galvanize the people to. They to get together and, and, and vote for Trump. I mean, there's so much uh, opposition to Trump. Every time you any, any day, anytime you get on the uh, the radio or watch TV or watch the news, it's always anti-Trump. They always have uh, an, you know, anti-Trump segments on on TV or the radio and what have you. So it's continuous, and I think people are getting sick and tired of it. And and frankly, I am. I'm tired of the attacks on Trump.
9: Are you voting and for Trump? I think Trump? people
13: are waking up to it. Am I voting for Trump? No comment.
1: Who are you voting for? Will you make a comment on that? I just feel, I just,
13: well, I, I feel that he's in favor of, uh, uh, so he voted for the USMCA, he's in favor of that, and that raises a red flag for me. Also, in this state, he was in favor of the red flag law. I mean, not in the state, but nationwide, the red flag law, and uh, concerning uh, people who have guns, and, and they may pose a threat of this, so they can the authorities can go there and confiscate their guns without due process of law. And then I heard, and I can't verify this, that he's in favor of a mandatory vaccine. So I like a lot of things that he does. Don't get me wrong, but some things I question, and so I have to be, you know, careful in my, in my uh, opinion concerning whether or not I would vote for him. But um, but I, I like a lot, a lot of things that he does. I'm in favor of and I support. But some things that he's that he does, I have grave concerns. So. That's where I stand on Trump. Yeah,
1: I understand your concerns, and I would agree <clears throat> completely. And normally, when there's a third party viable candidate to vote for, then I vote the third party because I believe I can vote my conscience and vote for an honorable man. Uh, and, but in this case, there's not even a good third party person to vote for, uh, Greg.
13: Yeah, I know, and, and so that—that's the problem. But I, I'm—I don't believe in the—I don't subscribe to the philosophy to vote for the lesser of the of the evils. So. No, if, but, if but here's the question. Evil, if, there's not a,
1: if there's not a third person to vote for, so there's two choices, or the only third choice then would be not to vote at all, and I guess it's not voting evil.
13: Well, you have the uh, – I'm sure there will be candidates uh, on the Constitution Party ticket, and they may be Libertarian or what have you. Yeah, the, but I'm, not, I'm, not, so so sure ballot, I'm
1: not so sure they're any better than Trump, though.
13: Well, they may not be. So, I mean – if you vote for someone who's evil, you could be held accountable for that. Yes, and but if so, you don't, if you don't uh, vote
1: at all, Greg, <clears throat> is that evil? Yeah, I think not voting at all when your duty is to no, vote is no. evil too.
13: Well, I mean, you have a duty. I mean, I don't know if you have a duty to vote, but if you don't have any viable candidates or candidates who are strictly constitutionalists, as uh, like so, then you got to vote for the best but,
1: <laughs> one or run yourself.
13: Well, I
4: mean,
13: so uh, yeah, so sometimes. Uh, candidates who run for office, whether it be on the Republican ticket or the Democratic ticket, most of them are incompetent by constitutional standards. So I wouldn't vote for either. But I mean, that's my that's my yeah, point. If you don't if you view. don't
1: vote, I'm afraid that's worse. And if you vote for a third party candidate that has no chance, and they're just as bad as the guy that. Yeah. Well, if you're not careful, you get Joe Biden in there well, too now. So anyway, it's a great yeah. debate for another well, day. I guess we're out of time, Greg. Okay. All right. Thank you, sir. See you later. By by all means, it's a great debate, Kurt. I'm not telling you I know everything about it. I'm just saying it's a tough battle, tough thing to figure out for everybody, isn't it?
2: Amen to that, Sam. Uh, And, uh, hey, go and uh, make America great again, uh, Greg and me.
1: Amen. God save the Republic of the United States of America.